This is Jonathan Clemens, Director of Financial Education with Creative Planning in Overland Park, Kansas. With me is Peter Malouk, and we are Down the Middle. The current stock market decline started back in early January. More than five months later, on June 13th, the S&P 500 officially entered a bear market, meaning the index closed more than 20% below its early January peak. To many investors, 2022's decline is starting to feel grueling, as if share prices will just keep gradually shedding value week after week after week. By contrast, the previous bear market in early 2020 was over in a flash. The peak to trough decline took less than five weeks, and the recovery was almost as fast. That raises the question, Peter, is there such thing as a typical bear market? Yeah, they're all very, very different. And I think if we look at the last five, it's a great example. So if you take 9-11, the tech bubble, 08, 09, the Trump tariff war with China, and then the pandemic, you know, 9-11 external event, everyone cocoons, goes inside. The Federal Reserve's response is let's lower interest rates and get people to come out and spend money. The tech bubble right before that, we go into a recession. All these companies that don't make money, turns out stock can't keep going up if they don't make money, drag us into recession. Fed lowers interest rates to get us out of the recession. We had 0809, started with a housing crisis, financial instruments, Federal Reserve lowered rates to try to entice people to go back to building homes, buying cars. Took a long, long time to drag us out of that recession, worst market crisis since the Great Depression. Then some people don't even count it as a bear market. You know, Trump and China got in a fight about tariffs, the stock market went down, barely touched 20% midday. It was a three-week drop in the market, then the market recovered, and then you had the pandemic. You know, No one knew what the mortality rate was going to be. Originally, 3% of people were going to die. There'd be no way there'd be a vaccine. It turns out, fortunately, while it was bad, it was not what was anticipated early on. But what did the Fed do? The Fed lowered interest rates to get people to come outside and spend money. So they all have different causes, and they all have to do with people saying, hey, I'm not going to spend money. Therefore, stocks go down because we don't expect the stocks to have as much earnings if people aren't spending money. And the Federal Reserve behavior has been, well, let's just entice people to buy stuff by lowering interest rates. Now, they do other things that have to do with the money supply, and Congress controls certain things. So, for example, with the pandemic, Congress said, okay, we're going to give forgivable loans to businesses, bailouts to corporations, stimulus checks to everybody else. So, while the Fed is lowering rates to entice people. The Congress is printing money, you know, giving people free money. And that combination just, surprise, caused inflation, right? Now, I think what the Federal Reserve wasn't expecting this time was supply chain disruptions. China still has lockdowns even as recently as last month. We have a war in Ukraine that's driving energy prices up. There's deglobalization. People are no longer going wherever something is the cheapest to make and instead doing it in their backyard so they can control the, the supply chain. Federal Reserve wasn't anticipating any of that, and inflation got a little out of hand. So what is different about this bear market? What's different about this bear market is the economy is too hot. Prices are going up too fast. So instead of the Federal Reserve doing what it did all these other ones for the last few decades, which is lower rates to entice people to go spend money, they are raising rates to discourage people from speculating. They're saying, look, we're going to raise rates so much that you don't borrow money to buy your fourth house. We want you to think about it, right? So they want there to be some value tied to the dollar that's predictable. And they want, they want people to quit you know, speculating for a lot of different reasons. So the, the Federal Reserve behavior is the opposite this time of what we've seen in the past. 
one sort of fun fact, I was just looking at the data. You know, we currently have an unemployment rate of 3.6%. That is just barely above the 50-year low of 3.5%. You know, you think of that just above the 50-year low. I mean, people are out there, they're so pessimistic, they're wringing their hands over inflation and so on. And yet, in many ways, for a lot of families, this is actually not a bad time. Anybody who wants a job can have one. In fact, you can probably have two. <laughs> That's right. And you were joking about the probably have two, but but it's a fact because while the record low was 3.5%, we're at 3.6. This time, we have the largest job openings relative to the unemployment rate ever by a very wide margin. There's two job openings for every person in that 3.6% unemployed. So the opportunity now is greater than it's ever been. Now, what does that mean that's inflationary is if McDonald's wants to hire somebody, they have to hire them from Wendy's, right? And if American Airlines wants to hire somebody, they got to hire them from United. They can't just go hire an unemployed person. Everyone's working, so you have to pay them more to bring it over. You pass those higher costs on to the consumer you get more inflation. The Fed wants there to be modest inflation and unemployment that's a little bit higher than where it is now. I think what people are worried about, and people listening to us talk would say, well, unemployment's very low. What's the problem? You know, why is there, why is there bear market? And it is so low and demand is so high and there are still disruptions in the supply chain that you take the combination that the Fed lowered rates, Congress and the presidents handed out a ton of money and we have supply chain issues and immigration issues and everything else, you have unemployment so low and demand so high that prices are, are carrying, up, carrying to higher levels too quickly. And you know, as they're raising rates, what's different about this, this market isn't just that, it's that there's a lot more outs here. So people are worried with the stock market because they're saying, look, the Federal Reserve, oftentimes when they raise rates, they accidentally raise them too fast or too much, and then you go into a recession. You know, the home builder goes, I'm not going to build as many homes. The employer says, I'm not going to hire as many people because I'm not confident that down the road, the economy will be strong. So that's why the stock market's reacting negatively, that there won't be a soft landing, that the Federal Reserve will screw it up. But what is different is that when you raise rates, you are making it easier to get out of a jam later. So with 9-11, the tech bubble pandemic, 08, 09, you have rates near zero. If another problem happens, well, what's the Federal Reserve going to do? I mean, it can't take rates any lower. It can keep printing money, but it can't take, can't take rates lower. Here, if they overdo it, if they mess it up, what are they going to do? They're going to lower rates. And so they go back and, write, and right-size this thing. So what we're going through now is a short-term disruption. The Federal Reserve, are they going to land the plane perfectly on their own way? I'm pretty certain they won't. You know, hopefully it's just a little bumpy. We don't, you know, we don't go sliding off the edge of the cliff. But they have outs here. They did not have outs. They did not have off-ramps with the last four significant bear markets. And that's another very big difference here. The other thing I'll say is we have never in the entire history of the United States had a severe recession with low unemployment. So it's, it's very hard to manufacture a severe recession with the backdrop that we have. Now, there's always something that we're not thinking about, right? Six months before a pandemic, we wouldn't have thought about a pandemic. Six months before 9-11, we would have thought about 9-11. It wouldn't even be contemplated in the, in the discussion points. And that's the, that's the real wild card here. But if we're just looking at the facts we have on the table today, you know, look, might we have a mild recession? Maybe we're already in it. We never really know till they're over. And then they give us the data that says that there was one. But this is nothing extraordinary. There's a bear market on average every three to five years, depending on what period of history you want to pick. 
we're in one now. If you're losing your mind over this, I mean, and you're 50, well, you're going to go through this seven more times, maybe more in your life, probably that are scarier than this one. So I consider this, this bear market to be relatively mild, very hard to see a severe recession, and the Federal Reserve has a lot of ways out of this mess if they screw it up. All right. So bear markets, Peter, happen for all kinds of reasons. They follow all kinds of trajectories. Are there common elements you know, beyond the fact that, of course, every bear market involves a 20% decline? I think what they have in common is that people are pessimistic about the short-term future. You know, People are looking ahead and saying, I think these companies are going to make less money two quarters from now or four quarters from now than they are today. So I'm not going to pay as much for them today or I'm going to sell them today. Now, 100% of the time, the market always recovers and goes on a new high. So those people had better be really artful about when they exit and when they get back in. But that's really the common element that, that you have here. Is that it's not that earnings will be lower. It's that there is a belief from enough, from more people, more people believe that they will be lower than believe that they will be higher. And, and that's a big part. Yeah, I think one of the th mistakes I see numerous investors making right now is they look around and they say, you know, Inflation is out of control. It just had this 8.6% rate. People are worried about there being a recession. You know, I should get out of stocks. And it's like, if this is what you've heard, if this is what the consensus thinks will happen, it's already reflected in stock prices. It's too late to sell. It's only if the news turns out to be worse than expected down the road that share prices will go down another leg. But if the news turns out to be not quite as bad as people fear, we may have already seen the bottom. Who knows? So if bear markets have certain common elements, are there certain common ways that we should react each time around? Well, I think you have to start with the belief system. Do you believe that the economy is going to expand over time? That's number one. And the creative planning, we do. And then the second is, do you believe you can time your way in and out of that cycle? Now it you can look at today, but you can also go back and look at the pandemic and ask, could I really have timed that? Could I have exited in early March and then got in in late March? Like, same thing with 9-11, the tech bubble, 08, 09. I mean, can, can you know when to get in and when to get out? There's a lot of research that indicates absolutely not. Okay, I've written about this extensively in letters and my books and so on. So you start with the premise that the market goes up and down but the economy expands over time. And so the market will go up and to the right over long periods of time. And that second, you cannot time your way in and out of the short-term events because the economy is dynamic and a bunch of things happen that no matter, even if you had every fact in front of you and you were a genius, there can be one terrorist event or something we're not thinking about and changes all of the math, right? So you have to start with that. That is your secondary premise. When you do those things, then, then you go, okay, I'm going to be a long-term investor. I'm going to invest based on my goals. And when these things happen, I'm going to take advantage of them. I'm going to shift from bonds to stocks to the down market. I'm going to place tax trades. I'm going to own investments that aren't correlated in advance of these things so that all my eggs aren't in one basket. I'm going to be global. So if one part of the world is moving left, another might be moving right. That's the, that's the approach is to have a needs-based portfolio, plan in advance, don't be at the mercy of the market and take advantage of the opportunities that the market presents to you and do it every single time. Even in great uncertainty like you had during the pandemic or 08, 09, even in that kind of intense uncertainty, you have to do it. You know, that's what we've always done at Creative Planning. And then that, that's how you are able to take advantage of these things and not just get through it. Getting through it is nice, but to actually be in a better spot when it's over. 
So it's that time of the podcast, Peter. It's time for your tip of the month. What have you got for me? All right. All three of my kids are working this summer. So I've got one in college and, and two in high school. And so this is something that I, I like to do with the kids. So you're allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA up to the earned income. Well, anyone can can contribute to a Roth IRA up to their earned income if they're under certain income limits. So the most you can put in a Roth IRA is $6,000. So if you've got a kid that's working and you know this summer they earn seven, dollars $8,000, encourage them to put as much of that as they possibly can in a Roth IRA where it will grow tax-free for the rest of their life and come out tax-free on their retirement. And I guess I wouldn't be insistent that the kid put all of the 100% of the Roth contribution out of their own pocket. I mean, you know, maybe as the parent, in order to set the example, say, yeah, for every 25 cents you kick in, I'll put in 75 cents. I mean, what you want is more important than the money saved is the power of the example and establishing that habit and having the chance to have that financial conversation and say, you know, this is why you want to be in a Roth. This is what tax-free growth is all about. This is the sort of investment you might want to buy. I mean, that conversation is more valuable than the savings themselves. So my financial wellness tip of the month, you know, a lot of people are unnerved by the market decline that we've had. And so what I would say to you is ask yourself one question. How long could I go before I have to sell any of my stocks or any of my riskier bonds? If you're still in the workforce and you don't need to, you don't plan to retire for another 15 or 20 years, the answer is you're probably not going to have to pull any money out of your portfolio for 15 or 20 years. If you're a retiree and you have the next five years of living expenses and short-term bonds and cash investments, maybe you have another five years in intermediate-term bonds, you can look at that and say, hey, I could go 10 years without selling any part of my stock portfolio and any of my even riskier bonds. I mean, I don't know about you, Peter, but 10 years, if a globally diversified stock portfolio isn't up 10 years from now, we have major, major problems. It's far bigger than I can see out there. And I think it's a pretty safe bet that you will indeed be okay over that sort of time horizon. So that's it for us. This is John McClamans, Director of Financial Education with Creative Planning. I've been talking to Peter Malouk, President of the firm, and we are down the middle. This commentary is provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Past performance of any market results is no assurance of future performance. The information contained herein has been obtained from sources deemed reliable but is not guaranteed.